Hello, I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction, a publishing grad student at NYU and an aspiring literary agent. Hi, I'm Kelly, a genre hopping writer, domestic goddess, which is a fancy way of saying that I am a stay-at-home mom and wife, and I occasionally captain the Hot Mess Express. And this is Writish, the podcast by writers for writers, where we discuss craft and hot topics in the writing community. This season, we're also starting to get into some interviews with other writers and industry professionals, so we're very excited for that and hope you'll enjoy those episodes as much as we did recording them. Trigger warning is in effect for mentions of violence against women, gender violence, sexual assaults, a lot of other triggering things that are related to the formation of Kelly's PTSD. If you've listened to Welcome to Writish, our first episode ever, you will probably get a sense of what that is about. For today's episode, we're celebrating Kelly because she turns 25 tomorrow and we asked you to submit questions. So let's get started. What's your favorite genre and age category to write in and why? So my favorite genre is fantasy. I don't think it's a secret. I think I make that very public, but my favorite genre is fantasy. And with age category, I either really enjoy writing adult, but then recently I started writing more middle grade. I feel like my voice it's better there. It's still an exploration, but fantasy is my genre. It's also like I enjoy each age category, but I enjoy them for different reasons. Yeah, it's just interesting to see where everyone starts because I feel like most writers start first person point of view, YA. The first person point of view is the easiest thing to do when you're first starting out because it's just you saying I and me and things like that as your character. It's like when you were making believe as a kid, but now you're just writing it down. What are your favorite and least favorite tropes? I love me some chosen one. I know people are tired of it. I don't care. I love it. Give me some chosen one, but put a spin on it. I also love found family. I feel like everyone's like, oh, the blood's thicker than water. But the whole saying to that is the blood of the coven is thicker than water of the womb. So those are some of my favorites. So I hate the bully you because I want to be with you in romance or whenever there's a romantic interest. And also as someone who's like lived that and then been told that, and I'm like, I don't care if they like me. They can tell me that they like me without making, trying to make my life miserable or without making me be like, ugh, I have to deal with this person at school. Yes, exactly. Because that's not pleasant. And speaking of, I hate whenever writers will intentionally make something very bad happen to the female protagonist. Sorry, she can have a character arc or this has to go into her backstory. I have characters that have tragic backstories that are female that never have that happen to them, but they are still brave. Like, you know what I mean? Like curious, like they still have all these things that make them who they are without that because that does not define the person. What's even worse is when they do it for the male main character to have motivation. If you need to give your main character motivation only by torturing a character that they care about, you need to re-examine how you write stuff. Yeah, I believe it's called the fridging trope. It is. I don't like the fridging. I don't like any tropes kind of relating to gender violence. 
Like, that's not to say that we don't do awful things to our characters. I also hate love triangles. And I hate them because I feel like a lot of love triangles are not done well. If it were done well, is it still on your least favorite, but maybe you don't hate it as much because at least it's done well? I don't hate it as much because it's done well. I just hate seeing a poorly executed love triangle because the writer thinks that it's going to put in a lot of tension when the characters aren't fleshed out that well and there's no real purpose for it because the dynamic isn't. I know I have probably a lot more tropes that I hate, but those are just the ones that come to mind first. Have you ever attended a book release party? No, because nothing ever happens in Appalachia or nothing ever happens in Appalachia that doesn't cost money and Appalachia is a poor area. So it would have to be an author that I really, really enjoy and that really, really impacted my life. Like if Rick Riordan was like, hey, I'm going to Columbus, Ohio. Have you ever pulled an all-nighter reading? Yes. Percy Jackson, I would stay up late just to read, and I would blow through those books. Have you ever based something in your writing on your own experience? Yes. I have talked about it in one of my YouTube videos. The Colorful Legacy of Valera Everwolf, that is now a trilogy, has a lot of Easter eggs for my inner world with dissociative identity disorder, as well as some of my alters. I also have a lot of death and grief in my writing. Mental health gets brought up a lot. Adventures in Thimbleton, Down a Well, it's... I felt like I was in Lore's shoes at one point in time with how grounded in reality I was or wasn't before I got the help that I did get. I also feel like the lack of parental figures in my writing. I I have a very rocky relationship that is, I like to think, on the mend with my mom. Like, I feel like we have an understanding. And with my dad, it's a no contact relationship. So it's a very hard boundary. So I feel like that also is in, in my writing a lot. Do you enjoy writing the hero or villain more? It depends on the mood I'm in. I enjoy writing a hero and being in the hero's shoes because even though the hero might be in a very tough spot, which you want your heroes to be in tough spots, as the author of the story, you know they are going to overcome it, but it's kind of figuring out the how-to. But I also do like writing villains, and I like writing villains because with villains, it's fun. You're out of the comfort zone. You can be morally gray with your villains. We're just morally corrupt. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have evil for the sake of being evil villains. I think that the best villains are the heroes in their own story. They've gone through whatever they've gone through, and it's hardened them in some way that they think either like a very extreme reaction is the only option. But also too, in some of my stories, there's no, there's no villain. Sometimes the villain is just a protagonist versus environment. Do you actually sleep or have you figured out a way around it? I am addicted to caffeine. I will be the first to tell you I have a caffeine addiction. I got Zara addicted. <laughs> Still kind of curse you for that. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i go cold turkey and I'll deal with the headaches. Yeah, I do too. Started out with great value. Walmart's little mix with water packs, the mango flavor. It's delicious. And then it moved to G Fuel. So I do have a caffeine addiction. I don't really sleep as well 
because I do have two young children, but also didn't really sleep that well before kids. And I would be up multiple times, whether it was night terrors, whether it was just because I couldn't sleep or your mind is racing or your body's very tired, but your mind's like, we got to stay up and we got to think about all these other possible things. Yeah, my brain also doesn't shut down easily. And normally whenever I have something to do, the following day will be the day that one of the girls will decide that mom ain't going to get no sleep. They just know. (laughs) Yeah, they just know that I have plans for the following day. It's a struggle. But I manage with caffeine and maybe one day I'll break that habit. But for now, it's what gets me through the day and I can afford it. So I'm going to do it. If you weren't writing, what would you be doing? You know, I don't know because I'd say I'd be a mother, but I'm still a mother even though I'm trying to be a published author. I'd say I would spend more time in the garden and maybe open up a greenhouse. But regardless, those are still things that I still plan to do or that I am actively doing, like the mother. So I don't know what I would be if I wasn't pursuing publication for my stories because I'd still be doing everything I'm currently doing. That just makes me so happy for you because it just sounds like you're doing what you want with your life. It's nice because I'm in a position where I'm privileged to be able to do that because Logan is the breadwinner where I have the luxury of staying home with our children and raising them. Yes, raising them is a job, but this job that I do has also given me the freedom to explore my passions and I can't wait for the day because I'm hoping you know, everyone hopes for a big book deal. So I'm over here like if I can get a decent book deal, I want to be able to give that back to Logan because we're partners. That's what you do. And I want to see them happy and doing what they want to do because I know Logan's very talented. So maybe one day we will have right restoration. I love that. I do too. (laughs) How has being a mother influenced your writing? The topics, not how much you've been interrupted. I was going to say, I get interrupted so much and it made me very creative with when I write in pockets. Um, But it's also influenced my writing too because I don't really have a lot of parental figures that my characters connect with. But I do find myself, whenever I'm writing the scenes with Alara and her mother, I had an aunt who was chronically ill with cancer. She passed. She and my other aunt basically raised me for a good bit and I was always on the hip of one of them. It's hard because like now that my one aunt is gone, it's, you know, you have to learn how to live without that person. How am I going to make Alara's mom make sure that Alara is ready to live without her? And obviously you're never going to be ready. But then as a parent, I think about, I need to do everything I can to make sure that my girls are ready because there's going to come a time when I'm not going to be here at least in this form. If I can come back and haunt them, I will. You're also doing that retelling. Yes. So my daughter, Luna, my firstborn, she adores Sleeping Beauty, the the old Disney movie. And not that it's terrible. I just feel like Aurora is a prop. And I know it's a product of the times, but I am wanting to do a retelling for that. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll see depending on what other interests they have, because Lucy might like a different Disney princess. Our goal was to have 25 questions for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think we covered the next question. How has your experience of being a wife and mother influenced the stories you are drawn to write and the characters you create? So obviously, you know, we talked about how you want to have your characters have agency so that your girls can read that and maybe even redoing ones that don't have agency so that they do. 
have you ever written a story envisioning a version of your girls or yourself years from now? So like a self-insert of you or your girls, but future version? Yeah, I don't plan on putting the girls ever in anything as a self-insert. As a writer, I feel like all of us insert a little tiny bit of our soul into our characters. (laughs) We have an episode planned about self-insert characters. Alternative baby names. Suniva. Once upon a time, I thought I was Scandinavian because I'm so white and glow in the sun, but alas, I'm not. Um, But that is, I believe, Swedish for sun gift because Luna is moon. And I wanted, if we had another daughter, to be related with sun in some way. But uh, Logan wasn't a fan of that. Also, because Logan couldn't pronounce Suniva. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. But whenever I found it and it said sun gift, and I was like, yes, yes. And he was like, what? I'm like, and we can call her Sunny. And I'd be like, how do you get that from that? And it's like the meaning. And they'd be like, oh. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not going to name my child something I can't pronounce. And I'm like, touche. <laughs> yeah. That is a fair boundary to draw. <laughs> and we were actually up until a, a week or so from her birth, we were going to go with Lucia Violet, but we went with Luciana Violetta. And if I had my phone, I'd be able to list off names. I liked Leona and I liked a family name. My grandma was telling me about that I thought was really pretty was Odessa. I believe it it was her aunt. She had a family member named Odessa and she told me about it. I'm like, oh, that's really pretty. There's a few others I had. I think for Luna, once we found Luna, we just really stuck to it. But before we found Luna, I wanted to do something... Anastasia. Love Anastasia. Adeline. I even tried to name Nymph Anastasia. And Logan's like, that's not an Anastasia. That's a Nymph. We also liked Lyra because it's a constellation. We wanted to try to stick with L names. Yeah, those were all alternatives. Oh, but if we had sons, I was going to name my son Lucifer and call him Lucy or Lou. Another name I had picked out was Leo. And I think we had Orion picked out too. Leviathan and call him Levi. You would have been one of those parents for like... Oh, you're from LA. It's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's just, we had a few different names picked out, but yeah. What was your least favorite hair color? Blonde. I love blonde on other people. Me personally, I was sexualized from a very young age for my pretty blonde hair, and uh, I hate it. So if if you catch me blonde, I'm not going to be blonde for long. It's lightened because I want to dye it a fun color. Do you have a funny writing mistake that you would like to share? I spell awful. Like every spelling thing I just have to ignore because it's just if I go back and correct it, I'm going to have to uh, continue to do that. And it's going to take up all my writing time. But I'm thinking like you probably mean funny as in like something funny, but I really can't think of anything off the top of my head besides my just terrible grammar and spelling. And the computer screen is always showing me red. What was one of the most surprising things you learned in creating your books? This could be about yourself as a writer or about the writing process. 
I have grown a lot and I feel like that is to my writing because it has served as an outlet and as a growing experience as I'm kind of putting my characters through arcs and that forces me to change my way of thinking and go through an arc myself in a way. So I'm always going to be changing and growing because I'm never going to know all of the things. I love that mindset. My grandma had it. I definitely have it. I think it's what makes us like we can always be confused about things about things that we don't know yet. But I feel like both of us were very open to learning about new things. We have no idea what that is. What does that mean? And then we just move on because we're willing to learn versus like, this is how it was. And this is how it has to stay. Getting on the internet and in a community where there's a diverse group of people has been very helpful for me and learning about experiences that other people have. Even I'm not like going and asking them stuff because that's just really inappropriate. But being able to be sitting there and taking in whenever someone is telling or sharing something about themselves is very nice because you're always going to be growing in that aspect. And writing all these stories have made me want to go and look up more stories that are connected to like my roots. And it also kind of Appalachian folklore because Appalachia does have a culture. That's why people in Northern Appalachia have a lot of similarities with people in the South. And that's why sometimes people in Appalachia think they are Southern and we're not, we're a Northern state. Okay, going off of that, the next question is actually, my mother's family is from the South. This is not me. I'm reading an audience question. <laughs> my mother's family is from the South, and I'm wondering if we have any ancestors in common. Not a DNA thing, just family names. Gilbert, Evans, Jeffries, Jones. To my knowledge, I don't. And with like what I've been doing with my family tree building, I haven't come across any of those names, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe like five years down the road, I'll find something. Yeah. Just as of right now, you don't know. Yeah. As of right now, no, I haven't come across anything. What are your favorite video games of all time? It can be more than one. I'm going to limit you at five for the sake of episode length. Okay. Pokemon Silver, my first Pokemon game ever. Zelda, Link's Awakening, one of my favorite games. Zelda and the Twilight Princess, wonderful story. I love, it's a game I've recently picked up. I love Stardew Valley. It's so relaxing, very calming whenever I'm having like a bit of anxiety tiff. Dokapon Kingdom. So it is a game I used to play with my brothers and it's very hard to find because the company that made the game only makes a certain amount of copies and then you have to find it secondhand. Hi. Hi, you saying hi to Auntie Zara? So I have a lot of nostalgia and Dokapon Kingdom kind of got me into the chibi art style and it's a very fun board game mixed with RPG kind of things. And I think it's like D-O-K-O-P-O-N, then Kingdom. Oh, but Fantasy Life is also really good for the DS. I know that's that's more than five, but Fantasy Life, also look into that if you still have a DS. Storyline is wonderful. What's the weirdest piece of advice you've gotten in your life? This person didn't qualify that it had to be about writing. Advice, I don't think I've ever gotten a weird piece of advice um, that's like off the wall weird. So I'm sorry, I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. When did you first realize that you loved writing? 
I realized that I loved writing whenever I was a child in need of control over something because my life was very out of control. What's your favorite thing to cook? Oh, I have so many fond memories of holidays of my aunt's noodles. They are so good. They're just egg noodles and then you put them over potatoes. If I can get the recipe down to taste just like both of my aunts, because both of my aunts, one would make the noodles or they both make noodles and then one would make a big old crock pot of potatoes. And then you put the noodles and the gravy that they're in over top the potatoes and it's so good. And I love making it. I also enjoy making bread, but I also love trying new recipes. So Preppy Kitchen on YouTube. He's wonderful, and I like learning new things from him. But my favorite thing is nostalgia food. Favorite type of tea? I love all tea. I love berry teas. I love mint teas. I love salted caramel teas. Any tea I will try. But my favorite tea as of recording this is vanilla honey chamomile because it tastes amazing. It's very calming, and it makes me feel still whenever everything around me is chaos. It sounds delicious. I still have yet to try it. Mm -hmm. Cinnamon tea is really good too. If you can make a cinnamon tea with the cinnamon stick and some sugar and vanilla, it's delicious. Out of all the drafted manuscripts you have, do you have a favorite? Now, they're not saying that like it needs to be perfectly polished. So just anything that's been drafted, let's say, to completion. I love all of my manuscripts the same. However, if it was not for Adventures in Thimbleton and me getting to the end, that NaNoWriMo, I don't think I would have ever made it to the end on any of my other stories. Are there any projects you've shelved that you'd like to take another swing at? Project Scarlet Death I've talked about before. I would like to take another stab at Scarlet's story, but I feel like I should take another jab at her story whenever. My writing game has leveled up more significantly and maybe I've dealt with a little more of my grief because at the time of writing that, my aunt was going through all of her things and I remember taking her the drafts and the ideas and her like just listening to me read to her. So it's still hard to go back through and look at some stuff or some ideas that I had that I remember reading to her at her home. And final question, what will you do differently in the next quarter of your life, so the next 25 years, than you did in the first quarter? In the next quarter of my life, I'm going to try to take better care of myself than I did in the first quarter because towards the end of the first quarter of my life, I am unlearning a lot of bad habits that I was conditioned into having. I feel like if I am better taking care of myself, then I can better take care of those around me. You're such a giver. I am a number two, the helper for the Enneagram. I'm glad that you're remembering to put yourself first, even if you have to frame it as so I can be there for other people. Yeah, I definitely needed to focus more on that. And someone woke up from her nap. So I think we ended at a perfect time. Okay, so I think this is the time to say this is the Writish Podcast, and we'll be back with another episode next week when we interviewed indie romance author Sarah Sutton.
Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Rightish Podcast, on Twitter at Right underscore ish, on TikTok at Rightish Podcast, and last but not least, on Kofi at Rightish. Bye. Bye.